welcome back to another exciting edition of the Thought Police. It's Hello. me, Mike Graham, and him, Matt Kelly. Um, one of the things we do from time to time is we have a peek inside our email account to yes, see what do. people have been sending us. And the, the email account, if you ever want to get in touch with us, is this, thoughtpolicepod at gmail.com. That's right. And people will occasionally send us mostly yeah. um, complimentary well, Almost uh, universally. Emails. Yeah, I don't think we've had any that have been horrible, have they? No. Because um, people will do that on the old review section. Yes. But, you know, I will suspect that maybe somebody's hand involved in that do you know, you? who may or may not be, uh, you? you know, hateful. <laughs> um, because why would you bother listening to a podcast and yeah. saying that it was shit, yeah. right, afterwards <laughs> and giving it one star? Why would you yeah. bother? You just wouldn't yeah. listen to it and you'd give it one star. Unless and you shit. had a bitter little agenda. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. So um, that's well, basically the, the, the email address if you ever want to send us an email to ask us. Why don't we have a look in the old bag and see what's there? We will. And the first one that sprang up was from Phil Healy. Okay. Hello, Phil. Uh, Phil says... Guys, love the podcast. Thoughtful, balanced, and funny. Um, as a lever, I've even warmed to Matt, a.k.a. New European guy. Mm. Mike, you do a great job of keeping him in check. That's nice. I'm sure about that. Yeah, that's anyway. nice. A couple of people actually on Twitter this week were saying that uh, they wanted you to turn up the next time we do one of those TV debates. Oh, yeah. And that we should supply you with some alcohol-free beer. Yes. So just as a lure to see what if we could get idea. you in. What a good idea. <laughs> I'm, as I've said before, I'm really worried that people are warming to me. Though, that, no, you don't want that, do you? You don't want that. Anyway, Phil asks, I'd like you to tell us about the best and worst business trips you've been on, from wrecked to war-torn. Um, I reckon you could fill a podcast with that. Well, let's see if we can. Well, I've probably, I, I can probably tell you now the worst job that I ever did. Um, and it was during a period of striking, right? Um, and it was back in the 80s, probably. I was in America... And I'd come back to Britain for some reason or other. can't remember why. But there was a strike on um, at one of the papers. Right. right. I'm not going to tell you which one. And um, I went down to sort of go inside to see the, the, the editor. And there were people outside picketing. Yeah. Right? Um, and I knew them, a couple of them. Yeah. And they were like, oh, yeah, we're really hoping that you won't come and do any shifts here. Because <laughs> I'd heard there was loads of shifts going because everyone was fucking strike. Yeah. Um, and I said, well... I need to make some money. You know, yeah. I'm back in London for a couple of weeks. I need to make some money. I can't look forward to the diet, just not work. <laughs> and they said, well, why don't you try over there? Because yeah. it was all in Fleet Street, you know. So I, I thought, thought about it. Then I got on the phone to the editor. And he said, um, yeah, can you, do, uh, can you do a job for us? Yeah. So I kind of like, you know, I was very young. I was 20-something. Right? I yeah. said, well, yeah, okay. And it was at the time, you might not remember this, but it was a guy called The Fox. Yeah. Who was like a serial killer. or oh, a serial. Yes, no, I do um, remember, yeah. A serial fucking philanthropist, what do you yeah. call it, rapist or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. And it was somewhere up in Hertfordshire, right. I think. And I couldn't drive in those days, right? I had no driving license, no car. Yeah. Um, I somehow found my... I didn't know money either. Yeah. I somehow found myself up in this um, area and sort of ran into a few of the... Um, through the few of the guys that were also there, who I also knew. Yeah. And I said... And they said, who are you here for? And I couldn't tell them. Yeah. So I had to say I was from America. I yeah. said, I'm covering it for the star in America. Yeah. And they were kind of looking at me like, why would they be fucking interested in this story, you know? <laughs> well, because it's quite a good story, I don't know. Yeah. But I didn't have any money, I didn't know where to stay. So I, I, I spent most of the evening in a pub yeah. with the all rest of the guys playing pool, drinking, right? But it came to kind of 10, 11 o'clock at night, and I didn't have anywhere to go. <laughs> so I didn't have any money, I didn't have any credit cards, there was nothing. I mean, it was yeah. just in 1985 or something. And I found my way to the sort of cricket pavilion yeah. on the Village Green, <laughs> Is it was like Harpenden or something like that? Right. And I thought, I'll just go to sleep in there. 
you know. And I said, before that, in the afternoon, I'd been sort of going around knocking on people's houses, you know. And apparently, unbeknownst to me, I bore a bit of a striking resemblance to the guy they were looking for. <laughs> so I was awoken at about three o'clock in the morning by two members of Her Majesty's police shaking me, going, go wake up, wait, I don't know, what are you doing? Yeah, I said, what do you mean, what about fucking having to sleep? What are you doing sleeping here? I said, well, because I haven't got nowhere else to sleep. Well, well, who are you? I said, I'm a journalist. And they're like, who are you working for? And I said, I'm working for Star Magazine in America. And they were like, oh, yeah. I mean, it was fucking bad news, because they said people have been reporting you, been knocking on their doors, looking, you know, looking suspicious. Looking dodgy. I don't think I even had an NUJ card at the time, right? And I have, it was all I could do to convince them that literally, yeah. you know, you were not I, was, the I was not the fox and I was not fucking breaking into people's houses yeah. and I was not either murdering or raping yeah. anyone. That'd you know? be a great novel, wouldn't it? But it would. If you were... Well, if they'd arrested if, me. No, if you were... Uh... If you were the fox, yeah, but then you were also the journalist. Oh yeah, to hunt down the fox. Yes, now that, that would, would be, be that would be. Wouldn't good. that be great? I came up with a great plot line for a novel actually the other day, and I've now completely forgot. I just always write these things yes, down. Yes, no, definitely. Because I completely now forgot definitely. what it was. Isn't it weird? Because you think that right, I'm going to remember that, remember mm. that, remember that, and by the time you said it four times, you yeah. can't remember. I actually wrote a novel which has never been published, yeah. um, back in the day when I was fired by the Express. Right. Because I had some time. On what was hands. it about? It was about a newspaper, of course, because yeah. it's the only thing I knew about. Yeah. And, it, and it was based around some of the people that I knew at the paper. Yeah. But the story was that basically the, the, one, of the, one of the features editors was so horrible that somebody killed them. Right. And it was like a sort of murder. Like yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's not unbelievable, is it? No, I mean, it's a murder right. mystery. She had a house in France. Yeah. And somehow... One of the people that worked for her found out exactly where the house was yeah. and learned that she used to take her dogs out walking quite often right. and quite often in the sort of gloomy, murky sort of early evening. And he basically ran her over in a Land Rover. Right. Killed her. God, well, I've known people. And got the who, job. I mean, if that happens... And then got some, the job. Some of the journalists I work with, it'd be like murder on the Orient Express. <laughs> the, whole, the whole newsroom would be yeah, suspect. Exactly. So yeah. that was probably my worst, that was I yours. think. I because, was to, uh, yeah. And I ended up, I had to sort of run, turn tail and run back to London. And just go, well, I couldn't. Couldn't go back, could I? Bloody yeah. Fucking well, hell. I was once. So I was uh, while I was at the Mirror, I, I thought I'd, I'd transition into TV, right? So yeah. I started to do bits and pieces of oh, TV, yeah. and uh, Richard and Judy mm. were interested yes. in my services and okay. used to get me on because I used to write. A so what would you go on as? So I used to write this technology called okay. Kelly's Eye. I remember that with the eye. Was yeah, I remember that. Eye. Yeah, right. So. The, it was really it was the first te- uh, internet. Column. Did you know at that time that the eye? Would become such a sort of you know marketable thing. Well, because yeah, because it was already it was already being used was as like a sort IMAX of sig- yeah, were exactly around, yeah. That. What I didn't know, right, and this is where this is, there's a funny story applied to this. So, I peers had said to me, you know, write a column about yeah. the internet if you're so interested in it, because right. I was really into it. Yeah. And so I we worked away in a way for dummies and yeah, loads yeah. of trials. And the one thing we couldn't get was a name for the column. Mm. Came up with Wired. Then we found out there was a magazine yeah. called Wired, and right. you know, went on and on. And yeah, the, I remember Kelly's eye. I so the about day it. before we launched, yeah. right, still haven't got a name. Right. We had a sort of working title. Can't remember what it was. And Piers came in and said, "I've got the name. Right. It's going to be Kelly's eye. Right. And we'll instead the eye will be like the letter I. You know, right. I thought fantastic. Right. Yeah. Because of course, if your name is on the collar, yes. then you you know you feel they can't just give it to anyone. Exactly, yeah. it's got a good shelf right. life. And uh, and indeed, it subsequently became Lalani's eye. Which <laughs> That's did, right. Which didn't, didn't quite work have the same at all. Ring. No. But anyway, so we launched the column, and then about three or four days later, I get loads of letters right. through the post. This was before email really right. taken off, and most of them were from medical students right. and doctors saying, 
We do love the column, but you you know that Kelly's eye is medical shorthand for the arsehole, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. So, well, you didn't know it. I didn't know it, but I'm pretty sure Piers knew it because at the time, his no. wife was a was a senior was a, nurse. Was a nurse, yeah, was a matron or whatever. So I surely knew, not. Yes. Christ so he, he saddled me with. I mean, and I, I still <laughs> meet hilarious. doctors, and, and occasionally from yeah, talking, yeah. what are you doing? And this might come up, and they go, Kelly's, oh yeah, oh, so I But I'm surprised that nobody said that even to the rest of us, you know, because normally, you know, one of the things that newspaper people are great at is slagging each other off yeah. whenever they're not in their company, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. they're really any group of journos <laughs> in a bar. They're always slagging somebody yeah. off, right? Yeah. I'm amazed somebody there didn't come up and go, do you realise what fucking Kelly's eye <laughs> actually means? Fucking I think I was you know. broadly despised in yes, those days. Yes, yeah. well, I, I don't know actually. I never. I was. We always got on pretty well. We always got on very well. Yeah, it was. It was. It was tough because there was a lot of people there at the mirror who, if you if they thought you were in Piers's gang, mm. you know, then you would be treated with a bit of sort of jealousy. Yes. And, uh, anyway, so so that happened. But I'm trying to get into TV. Right. Richard and Judy get me on now and again as a right. tech reporter, right? And Did they use Kelly's eye as the... They uh, said, you know, Matt Kelly from, from the famous mirror column, Arsehole. <laughs> <laughs> but, but then then they said, we want you to do... Uh, we want you to go to France, right? right. With a TV crew. Right. Because we've heard that there's a, a plastic, an all-plastic gun right. that you can buy in right. France, right? And you can smuggle it through uh-huh. to... Uh, and it won't set off airport right. detectors, right? So a big scandal. Right. And it was, it was just around after the time of 9-11, right? Yeah. So it was like a major thing. So it went off like with a full-blown TV crew, director, yeah. cameraman, all this sound. So it was very good the if you're trying thing. to be incognito. Isn't yeah, it? yeah. So, and you follow around by camera so this, is, this is the point, right? So the first thing is, we go, they said, they gave me, this is what's going to happen. We're going to go, we'll, sh- we'll record a piece by the Eiffel Tower where right. you set it up. Then we're going to go and buy the thing in right. this gun shop, right? right? So we've got that sorted. Then we're going to go to the firing range, mm-hmm. right? There's a firing range where we'll, like Day of the Jackal, yeah. we will hang a watermelon, right. right? And you will demonstrate the power of this gun <laughs> by, by blowing the watermelon. Of course you are. Right? Yeah, of course you so can do that, right? Then we're going to destroy the gun, right? Right? Because obviously we're not going to smuggle a gun through right. the airport. But to demonstrate that we could, we're going to smuggle through a plastic Eiffel Tower. <laughs> Yeah, because so of I, course they won't be looking for one no, of those. No, very rare. Yeah, taking a, a plastic Eiffel Tower to customs. So anyway, so I'm yeah, like, okay, like, such, such was my desire to be on on the screen. Yeah. I was like, yeah, whatever. So we get to the Eiffel Tower. Every element of this goes disastrously right. wrong. Right? We get to the Eiffel Tower, and we are immediately set upon by this gang of youths right. like, who just want to fight right. and, and come over and start pushing us around and all of this business. Taking the, I have to. Are they trying to steal the camera? They're stuff? trying to steal everything. My right. jacket, everything. Right. They are, I mean, they're just like yachts. Mm. Uh, so, not only am I sort of like on take sixty nine of this right. thing, right? But the thing is overrunning massively, right. in danger of missing our our flight. We then go to the gun shop, right? right? And the fellas, the the guy who set this up, the producer says, "It's all right. Just walk in. He knows you're coming, right? right? Just ask for this gun, right? right? And it's on a piece of paper, right?" So I go into it's a small gun shop right. like a news agent size right. thing, and they're right? actually selling guns. I mean, yeah, I didn't know you can see that in France. Gun shop, right? Yeah, right. you need a license and right. everything, right? So we walk in, and this guy looks at me blankly as I tell him in pidgin French what I'm here yeah. for, 
And he, and he sort of shakes his head. No, <laughs> absolutely no idea what they're for. Right. But we established Are that. Are you still being followed by the TV crew? No, no, no. The, no, I'm on my own. Right. So they sort of film me going in. Right. And then the idea is they'll film me walking out with the, with the, the weapon. Right, you know? okay. And so the guy says, uh, we established he's got one of these things. And now it's an orange, bright orange right. marine flare gun right, okay. is what it is. Right? right. And because it's marine, the idea is it's got no metal in, so right. it can't corrode. Right? Okay. Seawater. So anyway. So he then says, okay, fill in this form, right, right of where you live. Uh-huh. And I go, uh, um, French address. And he says, yes, yes, you have to be French, right. French. Okay. So I, the only street I could remember, right, in <laughs> Paris was a street called the Rue des Martyrs, right? right. The, Rue, the Street of Martyrs, right, right which, okay. is in, which is in, um, what's that seedy part? Up in well, the, the, oh, Montmartre. Montmartre, yeah. Seventh right? of the Right, right exactly. Yeah. And, uh, but... So I say that's where I live, and the right. fellow looks at me blankly, <laughs> and I say Rue du Marty, and it, obviously I'm pronouncing yeah, it purposely yeah. wrong. <laughs> so the guy's so the guy gets like the French A to Z out right. like this little red book, right. and and says, "Show me where you live." Right. right. So obviously I have no okay, fucking no. idea where this place. Trust. I eventually find it, right. and he goes, "Ah, yeah, we were do and so astonishingly, right. well, lets me fill in the form right. and passes over this this gun in the right. box, right? So I walk out with this orange marine flare right. thing. So far, so good. We then go to the uh, to the shooting range, right? right? And with a watermelon, right? right? So we walk in and the fella's like, what the f- hell do you think <laughs> you're doing? Right? And so eventually they convince him right. to, to let us shoot this watermelon. Right. And then it turns out that the, the shooting range is also used by the presidential armed bodyguard right, okay. who happened to be in the stall next to us. Right. Shooting practice right. and looking at these strange English people with this flare gun, a flare gun, <laughs> trying to kill a watermelon. Right. Right. Anyway, so we do that, and this is one of those things you use to firing to fire in the air, flare, yeah, to so, show to to get the, the SOS exa- up exactly. Right. But it will also fire something else, right? right. And, and like shots, but not not nothing that would right. go through you, but right. it, would, it would injure you. And then we go outside the shooting range mm. and. I'm provided with a hammer, right, right. to smash this thing. Have, on you, have you been able to? Kit- to yeah, no, we blew the watermelon. Oh, you did. Yeah, oh, well, that's quite good. good. No, that was because I was I thought you were going to say that you kept missing it. No, 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 no. It's no, quite I, hard I, to do fire a gun. Well, not from two feet. It wasn't. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> so we go outside right. and on live on camera because obviously right. you can only do this once, right? Yeah. They give me the gun and they right. give me a hammer right. and I look to the camera and I say, and now to prove to yeah, you yeah. how why this would get through security. Yeah. I'm going to smash this apart. Mm. I smash it apart, right. and all of these metal springs start flying out. Oh, the thing was stuffed with metal. Right. right. Anyway, so the producer says, "Oh bollocks, we won't be able to do that." So take it by the get all the springs out <laughs> the way, right? And we'll just shoot it as though you've already done it. Yeah, yeah. So so I'm there like now lying about right. the fact that there's no metal in in this thing, <laughs> and then I produce the plastic Eiffel Tower. Right. right. So, Obviously, we're not going to sm- smuggle a gun through thing. What we are going to smuggle through is a plastic Eiffel Tower. Right. So here's the humility. Which, technically speaking, you're allowed to smuggle through because nobody's going to give a exactly. shit about a plastic Eiffel Tower. So we then... Unless you're going to insert it up the director's arse. Well, Kelly's eye. I'll tell you what, he nearly got shoved up this producer's <laughs> arse. Because, so we then get to Charles de Gaulle Airport for right. our flight home. And as we're checking in... It's a very weird airport, though, with all those funny yes. escalators. I like it, though. It looks quite weird, doesn't bouncy, it? Bouncy, yeah. bouncy escalators. Yeah. yeah. Really nice. Travelators, I guess they Yes, right? made by Dunlop. Are they? They've got Dunlop logos on That's them. That's right, they have, yeah. yeah. But anyway, so we're there. We're checking into this mm. uh, BA flight. I think it was BA. And as we um, check in, 
the girl behind the checking thing says, are you the people from Channel 4? Yeah. Right. And I go, how did, how did she know that? Right. Right. And, uh, and the producer goes, yeah, yeah, that's us, yeah. She says, okay, right, right. And then she goes away and makes a phone call. Right. right. We're stood there waiting for our boarding passes. Mm. Next thing, the SRC, the French riot police, descend on us. Right, and drag us away right. to a side room, mm. strip us down, mm. all the bags opened and checked. Right. We're held in this holding pen, right, interviewed Bloody one up. by one right. about what are we doing there. Thank God they never looked at the footage, right? right? Because we just proclaimed innocence, mm. right? The air, the plane itself is everyone is disembarked, all the baggage put on the top. Right, right. I mean, total, total, Bloody like hell. full on operation. And I'm sitting there thinking, this is I'm going to lose my job yeah. here. I'm going to be in a French court tomorrow, right. explaining why I am lying about living in France to yeah. buy a gun. Right. right, this is it. It all it's, starts it's to look a bit over. shitty then. Suddenly, it? look terrible. Eventually, miraculously, they say, right, we can't find anything on you, on you go, right? So we get on the plane. And was this as a result of you purchasing the gun? No, this is the the kicker, right? The producer had phoned Charles de Gaulle Airport the week before and said, hi, I'm from the Richard and Judy show. We're going to do a piece about smuggling guns through airports. What a dickhead. Well, is it okay to film in Charles de Gaulle Airport? Right. What a total so at which point the Charles de Gaulle Airport said, what flight are you on? Right. Oh, right, yeah, no, yeah, no problem. We'll see yeah, you when right, you get yeah. it. And, and, and honestly, so... How fucking idiotic is that? Mate, honestly, so we eventually we get back to London Jesus and then the next day I have to go into this uh, into the studio yeah. and, and pretend everything was normal. But did they run the piece? They ran the piece right. and I sat there... Complete well, with the fake hammer. Mate, no, no, not the fake hammer, with the fucking Eiffel Tower, right? <laughs> And Richard, Richard looking at the Eiffel Tower and saying, that could so easily have been a gun, couldn't it? And we go, yeah, yeah, but yeah, it wasn't, was it? Did he, in those days, have a very strong smell of Eau Sauvage? Because now he does. He used to come in to talk radio to do the odd show. Oh. And I've got Eau Sauvage, which is the reason I, I recognise it. Right. Um, it's the one that Johnny Depp advertises, you know. Yes. But, I mean, this guy, it feels, it smells like he's literally tipped he's, it over the top really? of his head. Right. Apparently carries it around with him. Really? Yeah. No, I've not, well, I haven't seen seen him for years. I mean, I'm talking years. about earlier this year I saw him. Right. And right. he has this incredible waft of cologne about him. I can't him. stand that, can you? No. I mean, I do wear aftershave, but do I don't you? put loads of it on. No. I just put loads of it on. I can't smell it on you. No, I mean, you'd have to be nuzzling into but my neck, some people <laughs> in order to smell it, which well, is clearly why I do it. Experimental. I do it for the rush hour, <laughs> you know. Um, but yeah, you know, I've, it's one of those things I've ended up with this ridiculous collection of aftershave. Yeah, right. Because whenever I go anywhere, I don't take it on the grounds that I'm probably going to lose it because right. they won't let me take it through. Yeah, exactly. So I just buy a new one. Yeah. I've, do you know how many different bottles of aftershave? I've no idea. Nine. Nine? Yeah. Not, and not all the same thing? No, no, all different. All different aftershaves? Nine different aftershaves. Wow. I don't think I'm ever going to run out. Now, you see, my wife would say, you'd need to get a signature one yeah. and stick to it. Otherwise... Would she? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've got nine signature ones, so what's wrong with that? <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, just as much wrong as having nine signatures <laughs> basically well we've all had fake we've all had fake do you know did I, did I ever tell you the story of the uh, the fake um, business I had to set up to buy prawns no let me tell you that one <laughs> I, was in, I was in New York I mean some of the stuff that you forget oh, that you've done God. is ridiculous right yeah. I had to buy um, there was some kind of, it was a Sunday Times Insight job, right? Because I used to do quite a lot of work for them. There was a guy called Patrick Masters. He was yeah. terribly tall. Yeah. And I think he was an ex-spook. He was terribly yeah. well-spoken. Yeah. He was about six foot five. Right. And very well-dressed and very yeah. sort of posh. And he ran the Sunday Times Insight team for a while. Right. And he rang me. I was in New York. And he said, um, 
uh, we, we're going to do like a sting operation on this. There's a big illegal uh, tr- prawn business going on, right. where people were basically selling prawns into the European Union, right. but they weren't fished in the European Union. They oh. were fished over on the American side, right? Right. Which apparently was a no-no. I right. don't know what this means for EU trade or anything no. like that. But there was this company that was based in New Jersey right. who were running it. Of course, it, right? it was based in New of Jersey. Of course, and it was like a scene for The Sopranos, you yeah. know, even though The Sopranos wasn't done then. I, had yeah. to, I remember I had to drive through this kind of area which was full of reeds, you know, like the sort of place they'd bury bodies, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. and found this sort of old porter cabin-style office at the yeah. end of this road. Yeah. And I had to go in there and, work, and I, I said to Patrick, I said, look, I can't pretend, I said, I'm only 25 or whatever I was. Yeah. I said, I can't pretend to be the owner. I said, I'll have to yeah. be like the middleman or something. So I had to pretend to be the middleman. Right. Uh, and I was there to buy some ludicrous amount of, of like, I think it was 50,000 quid's worth of fish from these people. <laughs> I mean, it was just incredible. Yeah. And they were going to deliver it into this fucking port in England. Yeah. Uh, either, I think it was either the one in Bristol right. or the one in uh, or Hartlepool or somewhere. I can't yeah. remember. But they were basically, you know, we were doing business and exposing these people. With the fish mafia? With the fish mafia. <laughs> it was one of the most bizarre things I've ever done. He sleeps with the fish? Yeah. And I had to get a phone. In those days in America, you could get a phone service. So you could you could invent a phone number. Yeah. And when it rang, it would be forwarded to this place where they would go, you know, yeah. whatever you wanted to, them to say. So yeah. whatever the fucking name of the company. So they never knew who I was. No. They never knew where I lived. All they knew was that they could leave a message at this fucking... And did uh, you end up exposing this... We did. ...international yeah, fraud? we did. Fraud. Yeah, but of course I couldn't have my name on the story, which is all I cared about in those no. days, you know, Go because on. I was just part of the Sunday Times Inside team. <laughs> Very bizarre. <laughs> so now you have to tell us the best, um, the best one, don't oh, you? Oh, man, I've been on There's so been many. There's been so many. Well, well listen, you've, you've, you've had some great work. Like the best. Post, post The Mirror. Yeah. You, you've oh, told us man. about going to Argentina, yeah. going to Barcelona. Yeah, I've had some wonderful work trips mm. but the best freebie I've ever had in my life yeah. which we could you, you wouldn't be able to do it now I think because of the bribery act yeah. which is in case people don't know the bribery act I think it means you've got to have a really good reason to accept a, something that's worth more right. than um, you know 50 quid or something right. like this but once um, does that mean nobody does travel pieces anymore? In well, they papers? do no, but that's work, isn't it? So you're producing a travel review, I suppose. But you can't just go on what I'm about to tell you, right. which was um, do you remember when Des Kelly was deputy mm. and Des was going out with Carol Vorderman yes. at the time, and Des had been offered a trip by Vodafone to the Monaco Grand Prix, oh, right? Yeah. And it was the time when Vodafone sponsored the Ferrari right. team, right? Okay, so, good trip, nice. And Des at the last minute can't go and. As a favour to me, came up and said, "Would you like to take Nadia and mm. go off to um, to Monaco for the Grand Prix?" Yes, please. Why not, indeed. So we get on the plane, and sitting behind us is a fellow called Peter Kenyon, who oh, yeah. was the chief executive of Man yeah. United at the time. And in front he of went us, to Chelsea after that. Didn't he, he did, yeah. yeah. And in front of us is uh, Johnny Walker, the radio DJ, right. with his. And this is a private plane. No, no, no. This is a commercial seventy-seven, right. and it was pretty much full of Vodafone guests right. for this thing, right? So. We're, I mean, obviously, we're very excited. We get on, and as we get off the plane in uh, Nice, me, Nadia, Johnny Walker and Tiggy, his wife, and Peter Kenyon and his wife or girlfriend at the time, were pulled aside by the Vodafone thing as all the others got on board these coaches to make the journey to to Nice. And and the the woman said to us, you're you're going by helicopter. So 
because you're the special ones, right? right? We're segmenting you off, right? right? So we were only special because they we think were... you were uh, no, no, no. But, but we point. had fallen into. They'd obviously yeah. booked everything. They thought you were related to for six. Same night. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so we get into this chopper. Right. We're flown uh, into Monaco, Beautiful. and then we get into a limo, and we're taken to a suite uh-huh. at the Hotel Metropole, yeah. which is the one on Casino yes. Square, right, overlooking the track, right. Mm. So, and on the bed is a bag. Two bags of Ferrari branded bag, right. full of full of gear, just right. stuff, full yeah. of like headphones yeah. and t-shirts mm. and jackets, everything fantastic. Then we get a letter through the door saying, "We you probably don't want to go out with all of the others. What we've done is we booked you and the other two couples in the Metropole. We booked you private tables yeah. at the Hermitage restaurant nice. across the road. Order what you like. It's all on us, right? So <laughs> right. we're sitting there. Like, Those are the days. I mean, honestly, we're sitting there and taking... And what was your job, job at the time? Were you so, oh, editor? man, I was just like, you know, either nice editor or feature yeah. editor or something like this. Right. You know, basically nothing. Yeah, but I, I mean, what I'm saying is, is the reason I ask you that is because, you know, we've all done now quite a lot of that sort of stuff. Yeah. But in those days, you probably hadn't done anything like that. No, nothing. I mean, I, nothing like this. Yeah. So we have our lovely meal to ourselves. And the next day is uh, the Saturday. So it's all qualifying. So yeah. we spend... Wonderful day with the team and all of that. We then have dinner that night on uh, the Vodafone yacht, which yeah. is the second biggest yacht in the yeah. harbour at the time. Right. As and usually imagine. they're right on the actual it's, track, It's aren't they? right on the track. Yeah. You know where the swimming pool yeah. is? Just a bit it's the only down. reason I know that is because Alan Brazil went down there right. at the time. And when he came back, yeah. said he'd had a fantastic time. Yeah. And uh, he was on one of those yachts yeah. that's right on the track. Oh, mate, it was amazing. And uh, he said, oh, it's fantastic. You know, and we said, what did you make of the race? I didn't see it. <laughs> <laughs> well, the best, thing the, about, race. the best thing about this was that all the plebs were walking past, yeah. looking at us on the on this sort of balcony yeah. at the back of the boat, right. you know, being served this amazing uh, yeah. dinner, wonderful. And then, so we have that, then we go back to bed. The next day is the day of the race, wow. right? So Vodafone have hired this balcony mm. of a private flat. Well, they've right. hired the whole flat, but right. it's got a balcony over the start and finish right. line. Okay. It's so high up, you can see pretty much all the race, right. apart from the bit where it goes into the yeah. casino square and then mm. down. And uh, Rio Ferdinand's there, right. and, you know, a couple of other celebs. Right. And me and Nadia watch this thing and then uh, watch the race. And then they say, as soon as they cross the finishing line, your helicopter's waiting for you. So we rush off and we're helicoptered, great, helicoptered out. And it was honestly... Well, so back onto a plane home. And then back home. I mean, it wow. was the most extra... Or, I mean, it must You couldn't buy it, no. for one. But it was probably worth about 100,000 quid yeah. for the two of us you know, as an experience. Oh, for sure. Because the dinners themselves would have been a thousand quid, yeah. probably. Oh, you know, mate, honestly, the easy. drinking would have been oh. probably two or three thousand over the course. The of next weekend, days. it was the Champions. Uh, it was the Champions League final at oh, Manchester yeah. United at yeah. Old Trafford, right. right? And and we were given um, again Vodafone sponsored, given tickets in the box, right? The right. director's box. Wow. And I went with Connor Hanna. Do you remember okay, Connor? Yeah, I do remember Connor. And uh, Connor was a big Man United fan. Yeah. I think it was the only time in my life that I'd impressed Connor. Right. Who generally had a sort of yes, vaguely low opinion. Yes, fast uh, yeah. take on the world. But he was impressed with yes. this. And we were, sat, we were sat in the director's box uh, with Silvio Berlusconi in front of us, right, right. who had on an AC Milan tie, right. Right, which at the end of the game... Did he went, have any of his bunga bunga girls with No, him? he didn't, unfortunately. But at the end yeah. of the game, I had on a tie rack silk tie, right. Right, which I paid about a tenner for. Right. And I took my tie off and right. tapped him on the shoulder and said, swapsy, swapsy, yeah. right? And he was so excited. He yeah, gave, yeah. I got Berlusconi's tie. <laughs> and he, he got my tie right. But there was, um, there was a, 
we went around taking photos. Yeah. Connor wanted his photo with all the right. Bobby Charlton and Alex yeah, yeah. Ferguson. Which is that. the right thing to do, actually, yeah. because I mean, yeah. I've been in lots of situations where you've gone, you know what? I should have, uh, yeah. you know, I should have had a picture done yeah. with yeah. these guys. But but you kind of, for some it's reason, shy you, you feel like yeah. you don't want to be a dick. Well, and, so, and also, you want to make out like you do this all the time. Yeah, yeah. exactly. That's the thing. That's the other like thing. You don't want to be impressed. Yeah, right. Well, Alex Ferguson was fantastic, you know, really wonderful. Bobby Charlton sort of smiled for the duration of the flash. Mm. You know, you only knew he was smiling because he right. was there on the photo. But Viv Anderson was watching all of this in oh, the corner. Yeah. And I could see Viv Anderson watching us, and you could tell that he was thinking, oh, well, I hope they come around and ask for my photo. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, we work our way around the director's box, yeah. and we go up to Viv Anderson and say, Say to him, Viv, any chance of a photo? Yeah. And he says, certainly, boys. And I gave him the camera. Right. Right? And then he sort of cuddled up to Connor right. and Viv Anderson took the photo. <laughs> <laughs> that is great. Yeah, I mean, whenever you're with those kind of people, you kind of, and as I say, we've all kind of now done it a few times. Yeah. And you kind of, you sort of are in awe of it, but also it's, it's not until, I mean, like my kind of experience like that was not work-related in a way. It was just when I met, uh, when I went to see Steve Lillywhite, my, who's now my mate. Yeah. Um, as a, as a result of him just appearing on the shows and stuff that we yeah, used to yeah. do. And I went to New York um, to see my mother, funnily enough, and I texted him at some point about something. And I said, oh, I'll be back in London, I'm going to be in New York. He said, oh, I'm in New York at the moment. I said, oh, great. I said, what are you doing? He said, oh, I'm doing New Two's new album. Well, and I went, and I went, oh, right, okay, that's nice. He said, why don't yeah. you come down? Oh, man. To the um, studio? Yeah. Oh. And I'm kind of, you know, I'm not a massive U2 fan, but yeah. my other half is unbelievably like in love yeah, yeah. with U2. Yeah. Has had all their fucking albums since yeah, the year yeah. dot, you know. Anyway, so um, I was like, okay. And it, I was like, long weekend, and I was supposed to come down because I'd gone up to Connecticut, and I kept waiting for him to text me to say, um, you know, why don't we meet somewhere else? And Monday, I come back into Manhattan, and I texted him, and he's like, oh, yeah, come down about 12, you know, because, um, you know, the band don't arrive usually until a bit later on. Yeah. And I walk into to this place called Electric Lady Studios, which is yeah, down I've on West, famous, uh, West yeah. 9th Street yeah. in um, sort of Lower West Side. And it's a very unassuming little kind of frontage, but you yeah. walk in and it's where Adele's made yeah. her last album. It's yeah. where fucking, you know, the Rolling Stones have recorded stuff. I mean, everyone's been there. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm quite a muso anyway, and I'm yeah. just kind of just taking it all in. And we go downstairs and there's the fucking studio. Yeah. And with wow. all the guitars and the drums yeah. and the mixing desk. And the wow. mixing desk got little sort of, you know, um, little strips of, you yeah. know, Bono on this line yeah, here. Yeah, you yeah. know, over there is fucking Adam. Yeah. And I'm just kind of going. Uh, totally. And then they start playing me some of the stuff. And, it's, and you know what recording studios are like. And I'm yeah. just kind of well, I've never, been, I've never been in one. This in is incredible. I mean, yeah. and they're really small, but yeah. very cool, you know. Yeah. And um, so... He introduced me to this guy whose name I've forgotten, which is terrible, but it was one of these one-name-only kind of like Spark or Sparky or something like that. Yeah. And um, he's this sort of slightly wizened, older guy, but he's a guitarist, you know. Right. And Steve's like, this is whatever his name is. I said, why don't you tell him uh, some of the albums you played on? Yeah. Oh, well, you know, I've been on a few, mm-hmm. Yeah. Rumours. Yeah. Um, oh back Hotel California. This <laughs> is fucking unreal. Anyway, I was still smoking in those days, yeah. right? So I said to Steve, look, I'm going to go out for a cigarette. And as I walk up the stairs, the edge is coming down the stairs. Yeah. And I was just like, hi. He's like, hi. I was like, hello. Yeah. I fucking went upstairs. I'm outside smoking, like kind of going yeah. <laughs> hyperventilating because I'm, di- because I'm dying to tell... The yeah. mother of my children, because yeah. I'd said to her, I'm going down to see, like, you know, Steve. I don't know I'm what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. And um, I came back down, 
And there was also these, there were these two women who were clearly part of the management group who were very kind of hard. They kept looking at me like, who the fuck's this guy, you know? Yeah. Um, can see, because their management is from somewhere in California. They only manage like two, two acts and YouTube's right. one of them, you know, they're all right. millionaires. Anyway, so I, I look into the, the sort of the ops room where the mixing desk is and there's Steve with the edge. Yeah, what? Just the two of them. And Steve goes like this and motions for me to come in. Yeah. So I go in and they're sort of sitting on a, um, on a, on a he's, he's on a couch, Steve's on, and the Edge has got his um, Apple, Apple, MacBook Pro, yeah, whatever yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, and Steve says, yeah, I've listened to this. And this is one of the songs <laughs> for the new album. <laughs> it's called Landlady, right? He's played it. I hope you said And the Edge goes, <laughs> well, this is the thing, right? He actually turns to me and goes, what do you think of that? And they're arguing about whether it's got fucking the, the, the guitar on it or not, you know, and Steve's going, well, it's like the thing that, yeah. you know, I told you about. Yeah. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, I'm, it sounds pretty good to me. I said, I don't know, you yeah. know. I then walk out and Adam Clayton's there, yeah. very tall. Yeah. He says, oh, hi. And Steve says, oh, this is a guy I was telling you about, he works for TalkSport. He goes, oh, I love TalkSport. I was right. listening to it. Brilliant. It was fucking surreal. Brilliant. But Bono, then, was Bono there? Bono wasn't there. No. I had to leave before he arrived. Yeah. Steve said, I think you'd probably go there because I think Bono's on his way. Oh, right. So I guess he doesn't like to He doesn't want to be crowded. Too yeah. many fucking, you know, tosses yeah. that he's never heard of. <laughs> but I mean, I literally, it was one of those, amazing. I walked out and I was just like, oh my God. It is amazing, isn't and it? And it's amazing how starstruck you get. Yeah. Because of the fact I'm glad that, you said that because I've, I've always felt it's like a weakness. You know, when you meet yeah, someone famous and, yeah. you're, and you're totally distracted yeah. by Yeah. I mean, it's funny, if it's a work situation, they come into yeah. the studio. Yeah. Or if they're if I'm working and interviewing them, I don't get like that. But it, that wasn't what was going on. You know, it was a completely separate um, thing. There's a great story by uh, Garrison Keeler who mm. we've mentioned yeah, before. Prairie Home Companion. That's right. Um, but he wrote this short story about how you should behave when you meet, you know, someone very very yes. famous. And he says rather than going up to them, you know, and gushing and asking yeah. for an autograph, pestering, yeah. he said just walk past them and and just quietly say, "Hey, man, like your work," yeah. right? and walk off. Right. And then he tells the story of then what will happen. Right? Yeah. The guy will be piqued with curiosity, yeah, yeah. you know, and he'll he'll come up to you and he'll say, "What what is it you like about my work?" Yeah. You know, and the story right. goes on and on and right. on until you get to the point where you're having to kick the guy out of your house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I can I guess you can see that. I mean, I've certainly met. Um, I mean, the day I think I've told you about the day I had to go and see Gordon Brown. Yeah. And you know, you suddenly there's, there's a moment where you're sitting there and you're thinking, I'm actually sitting here, yeah. inside the Treasury, talking to the Chancellor of the Exchequer yeah. on my own. It's ridiculous. Isn't and it? he's asking me about my children. Yeah. Do you think there's and a you sense? You suddenly go. Do you have that? I, I mean, I've completely got that imposter syndrome. You know, where I just think, no, I shouldn't be No, I don't here. have that, no. No, well, no every, I'm every quite the reverse, time. actually. Well, I have to sort of... In my case. <laughs> <laughs> I Why have haven't to... I been here before now? <laughs> I have to sort of mentally reverse mm. it, you know. So I, so I go through this thing, say, oh, I shouldn't be here, you know, I, sh- I shouldn't be asking this guy. Yeah. And then I think, well... Why shouldn't I? You know, yeah. but it, it it always occurs to me that right. I'm really I'm why am no I, I know what you mean and that's probably not a bad thing yeah but I'm I'm sort of almost too blasé sometimes because right. there are times when I think oh I should have asked for a picture yeah because I'm so busy being blasé yeah. that I didn't get the picture you know I've got no I've got no pictorial I've got a picture of me and yeah. Steve Lillywhite yeah but I didn't want to say to the edge no proof can I do yeah. a picture with you because yeah. I thought that would be naff yeah. But and so really, I didn't do it, you know. That's good. That's I suppose good. so. But one of the best ones was when when I first um, sort of met 
Campbell and all those guys, yeah. um, Peter Mandelson and all that. There's a guy called yeah. Bill Haggerty. Do you remember oh, Bill yeah, Haggerty? Yeah, yeah. Who I think is still around. I think yeah, he's still he, edited, he, he was editor for uh, Sunday People. He, he was the first Campbell's Diaries. Oh, does he? Yeah, which is a hell of he a was, show. He yeah. was the first sort of proper editor that I was mates right, with. Right, right. Because I got to know him in New York. Yeah. And then he suddenly got made editor of the Sunday People. Yeah. So I came back to London one time and he's like, oh, you've got to come for lunch. Yeah. And so it was the first time we got to sit in his sort of chauffeur-driven Daimler. We went to the Ivy. I said, this is great, isn't it? Yeah. He said, yeah, and they just drop you here yeah. and then they come back and pick you up. I said, this is <laughs> fucking amazing. And I was about 26 or something. <laughs> anyway, he had a party. He had a house in Kew. Yeah. And it was one of those right by the river, you know. Um, and everyone was there. Mr. Blair was there, Brown, fucking... There was the whole new Labour project, Kinnock. Yeah. And Mandelson, Campbell... And my very loud American wife was then my wife, so she came with me, you know. <laughs> and she meets this crowd of people, and she's introduced to this guy. Um, oh, yeah, this is, Alan, this is Alan Price. And she's like, oh, yeah, you got the same name as that guy from The Animals. He's like, no, I am that guy from The Animals. Because <laughs> she wasn't prepared for that at all. She was like, oh, my God. Because <laughs> she was, you know, very much into that yeah, sort of yeah. stage. Of, and he was Alan Price, he was Alan Price the Geordie from fucking... Well, um, you know, from the animals. As a, as a closer, I've got a follow-up to the uh, to the Monaco story. Because okay. Johnny, we then became friends with Johnny and Tiggy, and and they invited us to a party at their house. I think it was his 60th or something like this. And Steve Harley's there from okay. Cockney Rebel, right? And Johnny introduces me to Steve Harley. Mm. And I said to Steve Harley, mate, I, honestly, I love that song. Right. And he got really arsy, right? Really? Well, yeah, because he's obviously got this huge catalogue of yes. music. And, and that's the only song anybody knows. And he, he looked at me and he said, which song's that? Right. And I got the hump with him. Yeah. I said, it's the only song anyone's fucking heard of of yours, mate. Right. Right. And that was, the, <laughs> that was the end of that conversation. Yeah. It's not a good look, is it, when you meet famous people and they start fighting with you, you know. In someone's house. Oh, God. Well, anyway. those, those are some of the stories. I mean, we didn't actually, we've probably got more of them, actually, but we oh, may have to do another podcast. Yeah, we may Phil, have to go you were on. right. Well you're done, right. Phil. We filled a podcast, we could probably fill... We may have to do another couple, um, but keep sending those um, yeah. those emails in because what they do Thought inspire Police us. Pod. Thoughtpolicepod at gmail dot com. That's it. This Thank is you. Thought Police. We'll see you later. See ya. Before that, in the afternoon, I've been sort of going around knocking on people's houses. You know, and apparently, unbeknownst to me, I bore a bit of a striking resemblance to the guy they were looking for. <laughs> I was awoken at about three o'clock in the morning by two members of Her Majesty's police shaking me, going, "Go wake up! Wait. I Get said, up, what Fox. are you doing?" Yeah, I said, "What do you mean? What am I fucking having to sleep? What are you doing sleeping here?" I said, "Well, because I haven't got nowhere else to sleep." Yeah. Said, well, who are you? I said, "I'm a journalist," and they're like, "Who are you working for?" Yeah. And I said, I'm "Working for Star Magazine in America," and they were like, "Oh yeah." I mean, it was fucking bad news because they said people have been reporting you, been knocking on their doors. Yeah. Looking, you know, looking suspicious. Looking dodgy. Looking dodgy. I don't think I even had an NUJ card at the time, right? And I had, it was all I could do to convince them that literally, yeah. you know, you I, was, I was not the fox. And I was not fucking breaking into people's houses. Yeah. And I was not either murdering or raping yeah. anyone. That'd you know? be a great novel, wouldn't it? But it would. If you were... Well, if they'd arrested if, me. No, if you were... Uh... If you were the fox, yeah, but then you were also the journalist oh, trying yeah. to hunt down the fox. Yes, now that, that would, would be, be that would be wouldn't good. Wouldn't that be great? If your name is on the call, yes. then you you know you feel they it's, can't it's, just give it to anyone. Exactly, yeah. you've got a good shelf right. life. And uh, and indeed, it subsequently became Lalani's eye. Which <laughs> That's did, right, didn't, which didn't quite have the same ring. No, but anyway, so we launched the column, and then 
about three or four days later, I get loads of letters right. to the post. This before email really right. taken off, and most of them are from medical students right. and doctors saying, "We do love the column, but you, you know that Kelly's eye is medical shorthand for the arsehole, don't you?" <laughs> <laughs> Tell you the story of the uh, the fake um, business I had to set up to buy prawns. No, let me tell you that one. <laughs>